Wow. Hey, we are so blessed and thankful that uh, all of you are here today, all of you watching online today. We're in a series uh, called Heroes of the Faith that we began last week. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn from some of these heroes about their lives and what they might have to say if they could sit with us, talk with us. Um, and if I mentioned last week, if you have ever had a loved one who has passed away, who loved the Lord, served the Lord, but now they um, are in heaven, this verse should be meaningful to you because it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those people who have gone on before us, those people who um, have lived their lives faithfully, that proclaim the name of Jesus, and now they have received their eternal reward, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us because we are all in a race. All of us are on a race to a better place than this. Um, and so heaven is, is, is what we're talking about and, and uh, we all have loved ones that are cheering us on that are cheering for us to finish our race well. So today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at, in our series, Heroes of Faith, we're gonna look at Jacob. Um, he is the grandson of Abraham. He's the father, um, his father was Isaac. One of the things you need to know about Jacob that some of you may be able to identify with is Jacob was a very big controller. He liked to control the situation. He liked to control people. Some of you are like that. Boy, pastor, you just jumped right in, didn't you? Come on, some of you just like to control people. You like to control. Another word that's used to describe uh, Jacob is that he was a deceiver. One of the most disheartening things for a controller or a deceiver is things don't turn out like you hope they would often. In fact, Jacob was a controller and a manipulator from birth. The story is, if you can read about this in Genesis, uh, that he was a twin. His brother's name was Esau. And when Esau was coming out of the womb first, Jacob actually reached out and grabbed hold of that sucker's foot and tried pulling back in. Like, no, I'm gonna control this situation. I'm gonna be born first, not you. He later manipulate his brother Esau out of his inheritance and throughout his life, he just became a deceiver. And though I'm not preaching about this today, if you will watch his children, his children soon learned his behavior and they became controllers and deceivers too. And in this need for control and deception, it would come back to haunt him throughout his life. There would be times where what was done to him would now come back on him and the great controller, the great deceiver would soon be deceived and controlled for 14 years of his life and enslaved. Caused him great pain in his life that didn't have to be. You, you know the story, don't you? He fell in love with a woman. Um, the custom was that you kind of worked for your bride. So he agreed to work seven years for his wife, Rachel. And then you remember his father-in-law 
Um, here we go. His father-in-law deceives him. And he wakes up one day with somebody that he didn't know he was getting married to. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Anybody done that? Like, never mind, don't go there. Um, and he had to work another seven years to get the right wife. Come on, show a hand. Show, show your love and affection for your bride today. How many of you men would say, I would have worked seven years for the woman that I got? Raise your hands. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because you'll do that, but you won't even take out the trash. All right. Um, <laughs> and Jacob brings to mind a question that most people will deal with or face in their life, and it is this. What do you do when your life is not turning out the way you had hoped it would? And if Jacob could give us maybe just one thing today to help us answer this question, here's what I think if you read the story of Jacob's life that he would say, give God complete control of your life. Just, you, you wanna find out that your life turns out better than you hope, not worse than you hope. Give God complete control of your life. Stop controlling your life and wrestling with God. And this message today is so convicting, I think even for me, but for all of us, because many of us struggle and have struggled in releasing control to God in our lives. Lord, I'll trust you with my eternal soul but I can't trust you with my career <laughs> or my future. Certainly not my finances, not my relationships. And if you live like that, this will inevitably lead to times of crisis in your life when you stay in control and rather than give God complete control, and you may not like this, but God will allow, I'm speaking to somebody today that this is right where you're living right now and it's because of this, God will allow you to go into a crisis in your life. And he will do that, not because he doesn't like you, but because he loves you enough to allow you to experience that. Because a crisis can often get our attention like nothing else to change our behavior. I love what Mother Teresa said, you will never know God is all you need until he is all you have. Come on, for some of us, it is only when you run out of options and you are at the very bottom that you ever turn and look up to him. I'm trying, I'm gonna try today to be a good pastor to you. I will try every time I speak to tell you the truth of the word of God. And what I'm gonna tell you today is out of love and what I'm gonna tell you today is out of the word of God. You don't have to get to the point in your life where Jacob found himself so often. You don't have to get to the crisis points in your life. The bottom line is we need to give God complete control. You're not, not partial control, you, 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 give, you wanna stay out of the crisis times in your life? We're, we're all gonna do some of that, but, but most of you live like from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis, 
And you don't need to do that. You don't need to stay there. And if you will give God complete control, what you will find is not only will he help keep you from the crisis of your life, he will take you to a place you never dreamed that you could ever be when you give God complete control. And the bottom line is, if you give God control, complete control of your life, there are some things that happen. One of them is this, you will find strength you didn't know was there. You will go through times in your life that you will find immeasurable strength and you think, I don't know how I got through what I just got through, except it was God working in me. You will be in the strangest place that seemed to, used to overwhelm you. And you'll just find like incredible strength. And you're like, I don't even know where that came from. Well, let's go to the word. In Genesis, it says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So uh, let me just tell you the story. Jacob and Esau, you know, uh, Jacob deceived his brother Esau. There was a hatred that built up. I know that none of you have ever had problems with your relatives, but Jacob and Esau had some conflict. And so they went different directions. Jacob really kind of fled for his life and left, and the Lord seemed to bless both of them. Because here's what I would tell some of you today, even though you have tried to control and even though you've been a deceiver in your life, when you give God control, he can still bless your life regardless of what your past was like. And so now Esau sees that his brother, and we're talking, so when I talk about his, his uh, family, I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people that are coming together and, and Esau is coming to meet Jacob and Jacob is fearing for his life. And he knows that Esau is soon gonna overtake him. So what he does is he splits up his group and he sends half of his uh, cattle and herd and all of his workers and family at one direction. And then Jacob sends all the rest of them another direction, you know, kind of like, let's divide up. They can't chase us both. And then the scripture says, now Jacob is left all, all alone, all by himself in a crisis. And then it says a man, which is kind of poetic form uh, for an angel or God, or a lot of people believe even Jesus himself, um, comes and scripture says wrestles with him until the dawn began to break. And for some of you, come on, for some of you, this describes how you live most of your life wrestling with God. You battle with things in your life of control. You hold on to things. Sometimes you try to deceive others and there is this continual wrestling with God. And then it says, and the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win or really a better translation is when the, when the angel or when Jesus saw this guy, Jacob is not gonna give up. He touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it wrenched it out of socket. So, um, you know, he's like wrestling with Jacob and Jacob thinks he's like really powerful. You know, I kind of picture it kind of like when my kids were like small and they wanted to arm wrestle me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, they're going at it with all their might. And you're like, you like toy with them. Oh, you know, and then you're like, wham. You know what I'm saying? And you send them to their room crying, right? 
Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Jacob thinks he's winning. And then it's like, it's like God says, you think you're strong, but let me show you how weak you really are. And the scripture says, Jacob walks away with a limp. And you can wrestle with God your whole life. You can wrestle with God your whole life. In fact, many of you do. You can have this internal struggle going on day after day after day, but I'm here to tell you, you will not win. And some of you in pain will finally come to a place where you will humble yourself and you will give God control. But let me tell you a very profound statement, and I believe this with all my heart. You will come to that place one day. You will get to a place of crisis that will humble you and bring you to your knees. And then you will finally give God control of your life. But here's what I want you to know. The longer you wrestle with God, the greater your limp will likely be. A scar. God will allow the pain if that's what it takes to teach us. This is our son when he was about seven, eight months old and he was learning to crawl and starting to learn to walk. He would crawl to our stairs in the house that we lived in at the time. And, and there was like, there was like you, you, you kind of like two stairs up and then there was what they called a landing. You know what I'm talking about? And then the stairs turned and went up like 15, 16 stairs up. And so he would crawl over to those stairs and then he would turn around and look at us. You know what that looked like? I'm about to get in trouble. And we would say no. And the more we would say no, it seemed like the more he would go to those stairs. And, and, and he, would, he would just, he would just, he was relentless. He was like, he was a little stubborn. Came from his mother's side of the family, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> he just kept crawling to the stairs over and over again. One night while his mother was gone, our, our eight or nine month old toddler crawled over to the stairs. And as he got to the stairs, he pulled himself up at the bottom at that rail there. And then he looked back at me. You know what I'm saying? You know the kind of grin he had on his face? Like I'm about to get in trouble. And I watched him and um, he was looking at me and I thought, I'm just gonna see where this goes. His mama's not here. So he starts going up a stair. He pulls up on one stair and he's holding onto the rail. And then he's giggling. <laughs> like, I got away with something. You know what I'm saying? Come on, like some of you do with God sometimes. <laughs> I got away with something. And then he goes up to that second stair and now he's standing on the landing. And he turns around and he looks at me like he has achieved great victory in his life. And then... He looks up and then he looks down from whence he came. And he looks as if this is a piece of cake to get down. And I know what is about to happen. I know he's gonna take one step and he's gonna fall down those two stairs on his face. I knew it was gonna happen. So I allowed it. He took one step, he goes crashing down, his body contorted, he lands on that soft carpet and he cried all the time until the police finally showed up. 
Now, lest you think evil of me, my reasoning was this. Better he fall one or two steps in a safe environment than to fall one day down a full flight of stairs and possibly kill himself. I knew what he was gonna do. I allowed it to teach him in order that I might save him. And it worked. He never went near the stairs again. Even today at 38, he trembles every time he goes by stairs. Listen, God loves you enough to let you fall sometimes. It's not because he's a mean God. It's not because he doesn't care. He loves you enough to let you fall in order to give you renewed strength that you would trust him and what he says for your life. And some of you are exhausted today because you are trying to fight battles and you just fight and fight and fail and fail. And here is what Jesus would come to say to some of you today that are so busy fighting in your life. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me if you're burdened, if you're wrestling, if you're carrying it all by yourself, if you're tired, come to me and I will give you rest. Now that sounds good, but when we do that, the next part doesn't say, come to me, rest, relax, take a nap, chill out. No, the next part says, you need to get now back at it. Come to me in the midst of your battle. Come to me in the midst of your struggle. And then it goes on to say, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, uh, maybe you don't know exactly what a yoke is, but a yoke was kind of a piece of wood that would slip over the head of two oxen so it would keep them together and they could plow kind of together in a straight row, a yoke. But if you study about yokes, you find out there were a couple different types. One, one was just a generic yoke, like you could get on Amazon and order yoke, right? It's just like a generic yoke. It came kind of like a one size fits all. But every animal, just like every person, is a different size. And after a day's work, if it was just a generic yoke, it could rub the shoulders and bones of those animals to where it was bruised and bleeding by the end of the day. It was very uncomfortable. But the word that Jesus used when he used this word yoke is more of a custom fit yoke. They would measure the distance of the shoulders and the, the neck and they would customize fit this yoke to where it perfectly fit each animal so that it was easier on them as they did their job, as they worked. In fact, Jesus was a carpenter, right? He probably knew what he was talking about. He probably had made some of these yokes. Some of you are living a life that is not perfectly suited for you. But God has a life for you that is Perfect, and he wants you to take it upon him because it gives rest. And when you are living 
under the yoke of the Holy Spirit, when you are submitted to the control of the Holy Spirit, there is no burden. There is just pure delight. It is work, it is energy, but it energizes you as you do it. Some of you are so tired and weary of wearing a yoke that you were not intended to wear. What if today some of you could trade in your yoke and give God control of your life that he might put on you what you were designed and destined to be something that customized or is custom fit for your life? Um, God will do that for you. The second thing that happens is when you let God have complete control, he'll give you a new name. Come on, somebody say, I'm glad I'm not who I used to be, right? The name Jacob means I'm a mess. (laughs) I'm a mess. I'm a deceiver. So the Lord says to Jacob in this time of wrestling, what is your name? And the man replied, "Um, well, my name is Jacob. And then he said, your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you're gonna be called Israel because you have wrestled with God and with men and have won, or better translation, have overcome. And so after wrestling with God, God gives him a a new name. You're now called Israel because I'm gonna do more with you than you thought I could do. And you can't do what I'm gonna give you to do if you keep living under your old name, deceiver. No, 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 you need, a, you need a, a new name. Your name is not, I am a mess. Your name is now Israel. I have a new name for you. I have a new place for you. I have a new destiny for you. And God has a new name for some of you here today that have been living under an old name. And what you need to do is stop living by your old name and take on what God believes that you can be in your life. And I'm preaching way better than you're responding today. If you knew who I was before I wrestled with God, it would amaze you. You would have never called me. I was so shy. I know that's hard to believe, but I I, I was so shy. And I'll, I'll just tell you this story to my utter shame. When I was 10 years old, they honored my grandmother at our church as mother of the year. So my 68-year-old grandmother is being honored at church. But when we got to the church, um, because they had asked us grandkids to get up and speak about something that we loved about her. And I was so shy that when we got to the church, I went to our basement of our church and I hid in a room with the door shut and the lights off through the whole thing. I heard people come in looking for me, call on my name. I just stayed in the room. I was scared to death and I hid in fear. And I never honored my grandmother that night. Man, I'm ashamed to tell you that story. I can never get that back. That's one of those things you wish you could go back and do again. You know what I'm saying? Because I got a lot of things I would say. But my name was fear. And my name was shy. And my name was Failure. My name that night was worst grandson ever. (laughs) But it would be just a few short years later that God gave me a new name. 
And I don't know if Nana can look down if she, I think she's one of those cloud of witnesses. And I don't know, as I talked about last week, if they can actually look down and see. But if she could, if she could look down and see me today, she would say, God has done a wonderful thing in you, Tim. No, she wouldn't say that. She would have said, God has done a wonderful thing in you, Timmy. One day Moses is living in the desert alone by himself at the end of the world for him. And the next moment he is leading millions of people. One day David is out taking care of sheep because he is the least of all of his brothers. And the next day he is anointed king over all of Israel. One day Paul is killing Christians and the next day he is one. One day the disciples are cowering in fear, locked in a room, fearing for their lives. And the next day they walk out boldly to proclaim the name of Christ and hundreds and thousands of people came to know Christ. Don't, one day, one day Jesus is crucified, buried in a tomb, all hope lost. But a few hours later he would walk out and from that day forward people would call him savior. Don't judge your life from where you are today because one day or one moment could change everything. When you let God have complete control, your life becomes blessed more than you could ever imagine. When you wrestle with God, when you, can, when you surrender to his control, your life will be blessed beyond your ability to even dream. The scripture says, please tell me your name. And Jacob said, why do you want to know my name? And the man replied, then he blessed Jacob there. This word blessed has nothing to do with material things. It's a word that is used to talk about or describe the internal joy that comes within a person. It is the Greek word makairos, which talks about not the blessings like you and I think, it's the blessing that comes deep inside. And Jesus' most famous uh, message that he ever did was called Sermon on the Mount. And in there is that famous passage where one after the other, he said, blessed is this person, blessed is that. He just goes on and on and on. And what he is trying to tell the people is you will have internal joy you can't even understand if you will do these things. His message was give your life fully to God and there is nothing that this world can ever do to you. You inherit a joy that can't be taken away when you surrender your life in full control to God. So now that I have warmed you up and done an introduction to my message, let me give you the message today. What would Jacob say to help us today? First thing he would say is this, in your brokenness, God can break in. Nothing really happens until you give in. Nothing really happens until you are broken with God. Nothing really happens until you surrender. Because often we have the wrong nature of God in our minds. We think of God as someone who is um, controlling. We think of God as someone that is very legalistic. We think of God as someone who is judgmental, always wanting perfection. So as I go through my day and I uh, you know, I, I respond the way I shouldn't respond. Oh, God must hate me now. I say something I shouldn't say. I do something. And, and we had this idea that God is looking for perfection, but that's not his nature. God is not looking for that in you. The only thing that God is wanting from us is a life of honesty. He wants us to be honest before him. He's looking for someone who will honestly say each day, God, I can't do this without you. I need you. 
I can't go through what I'm about to go through without you, God. I need you. I have to have you. I am incapable of doing anything in my life without you. So here I am. I say these words every morning before I even get out of bed. I, I, I need you today, Lord. Before I said this, before I get it this morning, I came into this place and I said, God, before I even get up on this stage today, I know that I can't do anything without you and your Holy Spirit in me. I know that. And that leads us to this. We cannot become what God has planned for us as long as we hold on to the dreams and plans we had for us. You can't attain what God wants to do in your life as long as you are holding on to what you want to do in your life. And at some point in your Christian life, you have to, you have to go from closed hands, wrapping your hands around who you are and all that you are. You have to go from closed hands to open hands. Come on, have I got anybody in this place that ever opened your hands up to him today? Sometimes when I'm worshiping, this is the posture I will take. God, I just open myself up to you. It's not my will, it's not what I want, it's what you want. That's why, that's why Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When, when did God do his greatest work in Christ? when Christ was utterly, utterly broken, when his body had been broken and beaten and he was bleeding on the cross, crucified, dead to, you remember his last words? Father, not what I will, but what you will be done. Brokenness, humbleness, and on the cross, crucified, dead to self, God did his greatest work. And the greatest work was that now Christ became fully alive a few days later to God. You can't see God break in until you are broken by what Christ has done for you. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. And then there's this passage in 1 Peter that says, God opposes the proud. Listen, <laughs> you don't ever want to be opposed by God. But he shows favor. See, this is where I want to be. I want to be in the favor of God. To the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Some of you today may need to say, God, I have not opened my hands to you. They've been rather closed. But here's my life. You can have all of me. I open my hands and I open my heart to all that you have for me. Jacob would say, you must die to yourself in order to live for yourself. Your life is never going to be what it you had hoped it would be, never what it was intended to be until you let every part of your life go. And here's what Jesus said, calling the crowd to join his disciples. I'm speaking to the crowd today, but God is here and he is there and he is calling into a much deeper place in your lives. He's not calling the crowd today, he's calling you today. He, because he has a purpose and he has a plan and he has a will for your life. How? If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. 
But if you give up your life for my sake, if you will die, if you will open your hands, if you'll release control, you will find the good news, you will save it for my sake, but, but if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, you will save it, you will inherit it, you will find it, you will discover it. And that's why I challenged you last week to go all in. Some of you have hung on to control your whole life and so here's my challenge, here's my challenge to all of you. Go all in. In fact, before I get to the third point, let me just say this. I would, challenge, I would challenge some of you to try it for a year. You have never, you have never fully surrendered the control of your life to God. And how's that worked for you? Now, if it's worked really well for you, you just keep doing what you're doing. But if it is not, I would just challenge you to try this for a year. Give us a year in this place to teach you. Come under the teaching of the word, which you will hear proclaimed every week. Come under the, be a disciple here. Discover what your gifts, which we're gonna show you how to do. Discover what your passions are. Just try it for one year and then see where your life is a year from now. Go all in, get in a group, get in a class, connect, serve. There's excitement in a crowd, but there is intimacy when you are in a small group together, learning together. And that leads us to this last one. Jacob would say, when you surrender to God's will, you will find fulfillment and meaning in life. Just give me a few moments. I wanna read a scripture to you this morning. Put your Bibles down or your notes, whatever, um, and just give me a moment. I wanna read this last verse, but I don't want you just to sit and hear it. I want you to feel it deep down inside. I want you to let this verse speak to your heart today, your spirit today, deep inside of wherever you're living. Because this verse I'm gonna read is an invitation verse. It's an invitation verse to you. So here we go. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your work, your dreams, your goals, your relationships, your money, your hobbies, and place it before God as an offering. It's all yours, God. It's all yours. Every morning when I get out of bed, here's my prayer. I, I, I can't do what you called me to do today, God, without you. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I need you, Lord. I need your help today. I need your help in my life today as I deal with people. I need your help in my life today as I deal with personal things. I need you. I need you. Just use me today in some way. Everything, everything I have is yours. Sometimes I'll walk around my house and I just see it as a bunch of, of stuff, wood and plaster. And, and I just say, God, this is yours. It's not ours. It's yours. I look at our bank account and I think all it is is just numbers. Really? I mean, right? Right? just numbers, 
God, help me steward these numbers well. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God because you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly, just quickly respond to it. And then this last part, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Come on, anybody ever read Facebook? God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Here's the last thought. You will never know what your life can become until you place it in the hands of the one who made it. I don't care what your life has been like to this point. It may have been wonderful and great, but until you place the entirety of your life into his hands, you will never know what it could have been to see him do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever dream, think, or imagine. You will never know what your life can become until you place it in the hands of the one who made it. Would you bow your heads with me and let's do that just now. Father, I pray for a people here in this place and online that I dearly love today. That you created, you made, you dearly love. God, in these days of trouble and even times of tribulation for the church, they are here and I think they're coming even more so. We need you more than we have ever needed you before. Help us depend on you every day. Help us, God. When we try to do this thing in our own wisdom, we try to do this in our own strength, we just get tired. We get discouraged. We get defeated. We get, we just get confused sometimes because this world is a mess. We have seen it with our own eyes. It is a mess. And so I'm praying today for somebody who's tired of doing this thing on their own, in their own strength, in their own power, trying to control everything, manipulating, deceiving to get their way. And they're just tired of it, Lord, themselves. And today they just want to relinquish control of their life to you. God, I just pray for people that would say today, I want to go all in. God, we just want to surrender our lives to you, our families to you, our goals and our dreams to you our future to you. All we want is you, Lord, just you. And when we seek you and when we surrender our lives to you, you bring life in a way that we have never experienced it before. And I pray today for somebody, God, 
watching right now online, holding on tightly to things in their life. They're just trying to control it. They may have been hurt, broken, bruised by life. So they're just trying to control everything and they're holding on so tightly. God, give, give them courage today and strength today to let go of their lives right now and give you control of their lives. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking across this place, just at home even, just with your heads bowed before God. Maybe you are here watching today and you have listened to this message and it kind of described your life. Jesus is not truly Lord in your life. You are Lord. You're in control. You call the shots. But if you're ready to let go today and give Jesus control of your life and find a different kind of freedom, I wanna pray for you today. In fact, just in this moment, I'm just gonna close a little differently today. I think there are probably more of us in this place than than not that God is speaking about some area of control in our lives today. And whether you're here or watching online, God spoke to you today and you're, you're just, there's a desire in you right now just to let go. Let him have control. Let him have control. I wanna pray with you. Some of you are thinking, pastor, just include me in your prayer today. This is me. I wanna go all in. If that is you, then here is your prayer. Lord, Lord, forgive me for holding on to control in my life, for living my life my way, at times deceiving people because you created me for so much more than where I'm living right now. And I'm asking you today, Lord, to not only live in my life, I am asking you today, God, to control my life. Holy Spirit, take full control. Sanctify me. That's the word we use often. Sanctify me, God, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Let me have, let me have no desire but the desire for you to control my life. I want my life, I want you to live through me. I give you full control. I trust you because I know that you are for me. Everything in my life, I am just turning over to you right now. And Father, I am praying for so many in this place today and watching today that truly love you, but the reality is they have been in control many times because of pain and they don't wanna get hurt again. And so I pray right now, Father, that you through your Holy Spirit would move in close to those right now that are just saying, God, I wanna surrender all I have to you right now. I just wanna surrender it. In fact, they're gonna sing a song. I want us to just be seated for a moment. Maybe part way through, they might have a stand and join them. I'll leave that up to them and the Holy Spirit. But just for the first verse or so, would you just listen to this song and let this be the prayer of your heart this morning. God, I just want to surrender all I am to you this day, in this moment, through your Holy Spirit, I pray. 
Amen.